Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. All right, all right. Well, we're back with our fourth episode in three weeks, which is very uncommon for us, but I'm glad to be back. And I'm super excited for today's topic because it's something that we talk about a lot in relationship research. It's something that most people have either been exposed to themselves or maybe they know somebody who's been made privy to it, but it is a very common sort of a phenomenon to encounter. And I am talking, of course, about infidelity and joining us to talk about that is yet another Arizona State University graduate, Dr. Melissa Tafoya. Thank you so much for joining the show. Of course, thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. Are you ready to get into it? I am, let's do this. Sweet. So uh, before we get started with like the, the, the big meat and potatoes, uh, it's probably important to hear a little bit about your academic lineage. So could you just take a moment or two to like formally introduce yourself and, and speak a little bit about your academic background? Sure. Um, so my name is Dr. Tafoya. Um, I am an interpersonal scholar. Particularly, I have studied the dark side of interpersonal relationships. Um, infidelity was one of those topics that I studied um, in graduate school and beyond. Right now, I work at La Sierra University. I am the chair of my department. Um, trying to think what else exciting things about myself. <laughs> There's not too many exciting things other than just being busy as an academic at the moment. Right. Yeah. And, and listen, studying infidelity is probably one of the more exciting things that you can study because of how dynamic and pervasive and meaningful and hurtful it is. So it's it's definitely one of those things that people love to their ears perk up when when people start talking about the research. Absolutely. And what's funny, just the other day I had my students were talking about um, what what you would how you would handle an infidelity. And it got pretty heated with the students because they said, oh, well, it's always bad. There's nothing good about it. Mm. But anybody that studies dark side acknowledges that it needs to be function that it needs to serve some sort of function. Mm hmm. Um, so we look at it as, as, as both sides, right? Serving a functional purpose for some. Speaking of the functionality of infidelity, uh, and just to give people a little bit of a recap, infidelity is like, it, it's an example of this thing called a relational transgression. Now, if you have forgotten what a relational transgression is, we actually talked about it last season, last semester, season three, episode eight, when we had uh, Dr. Shabib on, and we talked all about the different types of transgressions that can occur, and one of those very noteworthy transgressions is infidelity. So. I'd like to start by just learning a little bit about what it is. So can you maybe talk about infidelity? What is it? Are there different types? Uh, and how is infidelity considered unique from uh, these sorts of other transgressions? Sure. So um, infidelity is one of those sort of topics or, or concepts that we call it both morally avowed and disavowed, right? We think that it's bad, but yet everybody is doing it. Um, the rates of infidelity vary depending on the study, the time of year. Um, and really at the end of the day, it's breaking a relational rule. So there are four different types. Originally, the research focused on two. So I'm going to start with the two and then talk about the final two in terms of types. So the first one is um, sexual infidelity, and that is having some sort of sexual relationship with somebody outside of your 
romantic partner. So outside of the, the relationship. Emotional infidelity can be looked at as falling in love with somebody else. So the time, the energy, the love, the emotion that you would spend on your partner, you spend with somebody else. And that's emotional infidelity. We came up with um, a term called communicative infidelity, which is different from other ones in that we were really interested in people who commit acts of infidelity um, not secretly, right? In order to like send your partner a message, whether that's I'm unhappy, whether that is, um, you know, I'm dissatisfied, I'm angry, I'm getting back at you. There's a variety of reasons why uh, people actually say, that infidelity is justified. And so we were looking at that sort of infidelity. The final one, which is both, it used to be put into emotional infidelity, but now it has its own little sort of category and that's online infidelity. Um, I think that it's become its own little kind of way that people um, act out or, or commit acts of infidelity, but it's, it's online. Mm, interesting. And, and when you talk about that communicative infidelity and how it can be used like as retaliatory or, or as a means of communicating something to another person, the first thing that I think of is the literature on secret tests and how we test yeah. our relationships sometimes through, um, through tests of fidelity. So that's, that's a very interesting wrinkle to throw in there. Yeah, we, I mean, that, that for us, it was really, really interesting to study. And we did, I want to say three or four different studies looking at how people kind of justify it, like how they go through their brain of, um, this is why I did it. And like I said, we're really interested in, in not, I'm going behind your back and it's a secret thing, but rather you're a little bit more kind of out there because the whole point is to communicate a message. Interesting, that's so, I mean, it's it's devious, but perhaps in some ways effective. So uh, with all that said, I think it's widely known, just colloquially, but also uh, backed up by uh, some of the literature, I think specifically about Laura Guerrero uh, and the work uh, with Bachman uh, and in, in talking about hurtful events. Infidelity is traditionally related as, I'm sorry, uh, rated as the most hurtful form of transgression that you can commit uh, more or less. So why is it that infidelity is so deeply hurtful to people in close relationships? And like, what what is it about infidelity that m distinguishes it from other forms of transgressions? Like for example, like you forget your, your partner's birthday or you know, you miss, you know, you speak improperly in front of your significant other's parents and like really like cause a rift, get into a big political argument and, and hurt the relationship. Why is infidelity so special in that way? Well, I think infidelity breaks such an intimate relational rule, right? So, First of all, we, we kind of assume monogamy or we assume that our partners are not going to go outside of our relationship, right? Whether that's falling in love with somebody else or having a sexual relationship outside of the relationship in, you know, between the, the two people. And that breaks such a, such an intimate trend. It's such an intimate uh, rule that's being broken in that relationship. Um, and so that's, that is part of it. I would like to say, Speaking of Dr. Guerrero, um, one of my favorite lines when I talk about jealousy and infidelity, because unfortunately in some of the research, those things are sometimes used interchangeably. Uh, so they'll say, okay, well, imagine if a partner cheated on you, that kind of thing. And so that's really jealousy, but it's this really interesting sort of loop there. 
Um, but if you look at the research on jealousy, jealousy is the number one cause of murder, right? So, I mm. mean, even the consequences of infidelity can be seen as, as quite significant with the potential, right, of not just ending the relationship, but the potential of actually a, a violence being being enacted. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really, really good point. It's 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 not just that this is a hurtful behavior, it's that it elicits certain reactions, including but not limited to things like jealousy, anger, and unfortunately, in extreme cases, violent tendencies. So as we think about infidelity in that way, it, it strikes me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it strikes me that part of the reason why infidelity is so hurtful is because, like you said, it, it breaks a rule. We assume monogamy. Um, and so just to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, how how can we go about orchestrating or manipulating or you know in some way uh, uh, signposting uh, the nature of that rule in our relationships uh, without you know dramatically harming our our close relationships? So, I mean, first setting boundaries, right? But the most important thing mm. that I talk about when we studied it, what I found really, really interesting were, were we had examples of people saying that they didn't they didn't know they cheated. OK, and that sounds nuts, right? <laughs> like, how could you not know that you cheated? That just doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make sense. But what we found was that if somebody, let's say, you know, you just start dating or you've been dating for a few months and they would go out to a bar or whatever and they would kiss somebody or hook up with somebody and then they'd tell their the person they were dating and the person they were dating would get very angry because oh. that, that was them cheating. And so it was really, really interesting. And that didn't happen a small, a small number of times. Like that happened enough for us to take notice. Mm. And so for me, when, I, when we talk about, okay, well, how do you prevent it? First and foremost, literally <laughs> is to communicate, right? What are your boundaries? Mm. What counts as infidelity? I ask my students, okay, so if you hold hands with somebody else that's not your romantic partner, is that cheating? Yeah. And some will say yes, some say no. Is if you go out one night and you kiss somebody else, is that cheating? Again, for some people that might not be cheating or for others that, that might be. Mm -hmm. And unless you have the conversations and say, here are the boundaries, this is what is okay or not okay. Here are my deal breakers. Um, I also think that in terms of, first, that's the first thing, very first thing. You've got to communicate, talk about the boundaries. This is what is and outside of those boundaries. Um, but the other thing is, is I think for a lot of us that do research, if we're doing research on young adults, um, for them, it's really easy to say, oh, well, if you cheat, I'm out, right? That's Deal it. Deal breaker no type stuff. But 20 years, 30 years, if you're married and you've got children and a shared bank account and a shared home, mm -hmm. it's not as easy to, uh, that investment, right? When we talk about investing, what you invest in your relationship. And so I think that often we can try to simplify it in one way, right? Talking about the boundaries, talking about openly communicating this, these are my expectations. You cannot assume, do not ever assume that the person that you're with, <laughs> that those are also their boundaries. Um, you have to communicate about them. Yeah. So I think that, that I think that's so important and we just don't think of it that way. I think that for a lot of people, it is the assumption that 
of course, your partner is going to to stay with you and not go outside the relationship. But until you talk about it, you cannot assume that. Yeah, I think that's so important. And one thing that really struck me is when you were talking about how, hey, like for some people, this is infidelity and for other people, this isn't. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that for the same person, a the same behavior could be infidelity for one relationship and not be infidelity in a different relationship. So the person matters and the relational stage matters. The relationship itself matters. And that's where that's where these I, I think uh, these people who say, I didn't know I was cheating. I thought, you know, you know what? It's, it's giving um, uh, Ross like we were on a break. Right. It's like, well, did you know? <laughs> didn't you know? So I, I think that that's a really, really, really good and important point that you uh, bring up there. So let's then talk just a little bit about the people who kind of know that they're cheating, right? The people who either do it intentionally or, you know, they just mess up, but they know that they've committed infidelity. Um, what are some of the most common reasons as to why people commit infidelity? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say something that is in the research, so I would like to, like, I, I always have to preface this one. <laughs> um, there are some sex differences between men and women. Mm -hmm. Largely, you could say, okay, well, the person is dissatisfied. For women, women are more likely to cheat um, when they're dissatisfied, when they're unhappy. Men, according to the research, are more likely to cheat based upon opportunity. Mm. Again, mm. Not all, and I, not all men, not all women, so on and so <laughs> forth, but, but for a lot of people, right, over time, and I was just reading an article that it's something like 28% of individuals over the age of 60 have cheated. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, <laughs> that to me is, 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 that's not a small number. Yeah. Um, and that's with people who admitted it. And that's another mm -hmm. important kind of point to make is that we will never know the true rates of infidelity ever, ever. We can ask a thousand people. People are ashamed. They're going to lie. Um, one of my favorite studies, and to me, this is very telling. So they, they did a study on, um, on children and a DNA test. Okay. Seven to nine or not seven, not 79, but seven to nine percent of those kids were not biologically related to the person who they thought were their father. Wow. <laughs> I mean, take that in. To me, that's such a high percentage. And that was that was a very small, it was a small number of people they tested. Mm -hmm. But that to me is pretty telling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of the Spring Breaker study. I don't know if you've ever seen that one where they went out and they interviewed college students who were about to go on spring break. It was a diary study method. And they interviewed these people and then they interviewed them after spring break and they were like, did you cheat? And some of them were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, and uh, the results of that one are fascinating because one of the things you, it's almost impossible to do is gather data from people who haven't cheated, but right. might. And so the way that they controlled for that, the way that they took that into account and, and a lot of the motivations that you talked about um, were there it was dissatisfaction and it was opportunity you think about spring break that's you talk about opportunity right so <laughs> um I, th I think that that's that's very much nested in the investment model which tells us about mm -hmm. the things that predict commitment relationship satisfaction uh investment and the quality of perceived alternatives which is all three things that we just mentioned there so i think that i think that's spot on right right exactly and but those are the two main ones um, again, at our studies, it was to send a partner a message, but I kind of separate that out um, 
because it isn't as common as the other two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, yeah, that's the two most commonly cited reasons. Yeah. So we already talked a little bit about like the specific steps that that can be like accomplished in order to, uh, uh, you know, at least make your boundaries known in terms of infidelity. Are there any other things that people in relationships can do to uh, lessen the odds of that sort of thing occurring in their relationship? Because, you know, infidelity sucks. It's hurtful. And there's a big difference between, for example, polyamory and infidelity. Uh, which we'll get to in a moment, but uh, is there anything that people in these relationships can do to lessen the odds that uh, infidelity creeps into their relationship? Well, I mean, other than really setting those boundaries, right, and, and, and this open communication, which a lot of the research says you really just, you need to be open, communicate, Um, And then spending time, right? If your life is very independent from your partner versus being very interdependent, Mm. those are two very different things. Mm. And so having, you know, at least trying to have more of an interdependent life and spending time with each other um, socially, romantically, all these other things, that's important too. Right, right. Okay, last thing I want to talk about today. Uh, For lack of a better term, I kind of want to talk about Will Smith. Uh, Will okay. and Jada Pinkett Smith. So, with everything that happened at the Oscars, there is a fairly large and loud sect of the population who is confused um, by the fact that Will Smith took such offense to what Chris Rock was saying, yet seems to be okay with his wife sleeping with other people. And they would say, well, okay, so you don't get mad that somebody else made love to your wife, but you do get mad that someone else joked for, from her. And I think that the reason that people are having a hard time understanding this is because they're having trouble separating consensual polyamory from infidelity. So I kind of have like a, a, a double shot question here. My first question is, um, given that polyamory is a growing trend, especially among younger generations, do you feel like there's a connection between that growing trend and infidelity? And uh, regardless of your answer to that question, is polyamory inherently an act of infidelity? Okay, wow, that's a lot to unpack. So um, I'm gonna start with the last one and then move forward because they are moved to the first ones. Um, No. So to answer your last question, polyamory um, is not because as you said, this idea of consensual, right, having consensual open relationships, um, that that's different, Mm. you know, importantly, though, then the question, then that begs the question, can they commit acts of infidelity? with an open with an open relationship Mm. or polyamory so on and so forth and the answer to that is yes as well because even within those relationships it it reminds me of friends with benefits but one of the things within those relationships is they set very clear boundaries yes um sometimes they may say okay you can't be with somebody twice other times they may say um you know you you can't um see them outside or it 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 must only be like sexual but they're still Mm -hmm. regardless they set these boundaries into that relationship so an act of infidelity in that relationship could still occur but it's when they break that boundary when they break the rules that were set up um between the couple right between those people 
Right. Uh, polyamory rates are something like five to eight percent right now. Um, it is that growing trend, but they can still commit acts of infidelity. It just may not be within that uh, having a sexual relationship with somebody else. But if they break the rules that have been set up, then that would count as infidelity. Yeah, I I'm so glad that you brought up the rules because it. I think that's where this disconnect is happening, where people don't understand that it is possible to have a relationship mm -hmm. that involves a series of really clear and explicit boundaries because polyamory is very difficult work. Uh, it requires clear and, and specific and explicit boundaries, whereas the, I'm going to take the word traditional, traditional relationships have sort of this implicit rule of monogamy, where it's like, if you violate that in any capacity, according to me and only me, then that counts right. as cheating, right? It's like, I am the, the, the victim of cheating. I therefore get to define what constitutes cheating in polyamory. Traditionally, the rules are set up a little bit more clearly in such a way that, like like you said, there are some individuals or instances or certain sorts of behaviors that are considered all right and others that are not. So, for example, you might see, you know, sexual contact is okay. Emotional contact is not. So you can sleep with other people, but I don't want you going out on dates with other people. Right. Right. Or I don't want it happening in our bed. And these are the sorts of rules that must be set up in a polyamorous relationship. Whereas in a monogamous relationship, we don't have to go through that work and not for nothing, but that's very difficult, complicated work. And for me, it feels like that's why so many people have such a foul reaction to the idea of polyamory, not because it, it inherently involves their partner making contact with another person, but because of all of the mental and emotional energy that goes into maintaining a relationship like that. But I, I'm just kind of spitballing at that point. Right. But again, like you said, I mean, they still set up these rules. They still have mm -hmm. a conversation. Um, and I might go back to, I'll keep going back to that because communicating about this and what counts, what doesn't count, what is acceptable, not acceptable across the board um, is important. And, and in those relationships, they have a tendency to set up those boundaries. Right, right. Okay, well, we've got just a couple of minutes left. So in that time, we we sprinted through all of the talking points that I have. <laughs> Are there any other important bits uh, related to infidelity or close relationships in general that you are hoping to share or get out or unpack? Yes. So like my final sort of note in this, and, and again, something that I think um, is one of those hard pills to swallow and one of the things people don't like talking about, and that's this. I'm going to go back to my functional sort of argument, right? Mm. Um, one of the things that a lot of people, most people have a really hard time with is the idea that infidelity could equate to anything positive, right? Uh. We don't like it to think of it that way. But yet research shows, and again, not encouraging it, not telling people to go out <laughs> and do it rather, but to understand that the consequences of it is they're, they're not always negative. They're mm -hmm. not always detrimental. For some couples, it may be a wake-up call. For some couples, um, some of the research has actually demonstrated that that after an act of infidelity that, that the partner is seen as more attractive, and so then they work on that relationship more. Um, they may go to marital counseling after this because, okay, well, we knew it was bad, but wow, I didn't realize it was that bad. Mm -hmm. um, evolutionary psychology talks about sort of this idea of... Um, you know, potentially having your genetic makeup uh, be better in those instances. And and I think that that's important mm. 
because it's one of those areas that that people really become uncomfortable but yet that's part of the research right is where it does say if it didn't serve a function if it served no role nobody would do it right right when you look at the rates of infidelity they're pretty high so that that would be kind of my final note is just to understand um it isn't just a simple concept or topic area to study it's 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 really complex from what do we call it cheating um you know non-monogamy we have like a list of 15 different words that have been used to explain infidelity so like what is the terminology that you use what counts what doesn't count right um so i i i do like to also my i guess my final thing would point out the complexity um, and to, to acknowledge that this is one of those topic areas that is a challenge to study, but it is fascinating. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about it. I, we could have a whole other episode on <laughs> for like like the effects of the recipient, the, the effects of the mm -hmm. perpetrator, how it causes us to not only um, reconsider our relationship as it is a transgression, but to also reconsider ourselves. We may, I may need to have you back to have that conversation. Would that be Anytime. all right? Anytime. <laughs> Anytime at all. You let me know. Will do. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Tafoya, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. And next week, we've got our season finale on parasocial relationships with Dr. Mark Generous. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see everyone then. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.